The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Thank you. My name is Stephen Buck, and I am honored to serve um, this fellowship as one of your elders, and it's an honor to be here today. Uh, I look forward for this opportunity. I, I will tell you, I was telling Kelly before this, it has been since the summer of 1987 that I have had the opportunity to deliver a pulpit message in this style. I've done interviews and things like that. This is the first time in a long time, and I'm really delighted for the opportunity. For our seniors, for your families, um, congratulations on this momentous period of life. This is a, a very special time, and we're glad that you were able to celebrate it with today, and we hope that we hope the videos, the, the blessings, um, lift your spirit and provide you great optimism for the time ahead. I also want to thank those of you who are new to our fellowship, who are visiting today, might be either in person or online. We are delighted that you chose a few minutes to spend with us today. If you're new to Christ, if you want to learn more about Christ, please catch any of our staff, catch our elders, catch our delegates. We would love to speak to you about how that we can serve you, how we can help you in your journey, walk you through the path of belief into baptism. That is something that we would cherish the opportunity to do. You know, I will tell you, when, when they asked me to do this today, I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the background is some backroom lottery that's occurring to see how long I can make it into Senior Sunday without breaking down myself. This is one of my most challenging days. It is absolutely one of my most cherished days. Gone through it four times. Got two more on the way, knock on wood. Isaiah and Jeremiah, you better get across the finish line. It's a special day. And I will tell you, as, as Kelly talked about the, the incredible message that was delivered to our cast of girls last year, it's special. It is special. This is a special church community made up of people who want to love you. And if you're not experiencing that love, talk to Jason about Connections Group. Find a way to get involved. I also want to do one quick plug for what's going to occur over the summer in our summer series, both, both from the main pulpit, but also the class that Ryan has put together for us in our morning Bible study. We will learn more about help, how hope, the verb of hope, plays out in our lives, how we do that through ministry and how we do that through our everyday workforce. You know, there's an old adage, I'll use a lot of these today, but if you think back to the University of Texas coach, Daryl Royal, back in the early 1960s, somebody asked him about changing philosophy in football and can his team continue to compete? And he, he coined this phrase of, you, you dance with who brung you. That was his statement. And so as you think about what I might work through over the next few minutes, I am no great theologian. I mean, I'm going to set the bar real consistent here. Bible study is not my thing. But what I have had an opportunity to do is through my work, spend a lot of time helping individuals understand how they can achieve success, how they can have 
career success, relational success, or whatever it is. So I'm going to kind of walk through today some of my thoughts in a way of a commencement type of address. This will more look more like commencement than it would be a traditional gospel sermon. As I message to my seniors, it was part about their continuing their story, your story. And so that's what I'm going to do with some tie back to how that has been reflected in Scripture. So, but before I do that, I, let me quickly have a word of prayer and then we'll walk through my thoughts for the day. Dear Lord and God, please bless this family. Help us to serve you and to carry out the commission with passion and service. Help us to love each other. Help us to seek opportunities to come alongside those who are hurting. Let us remember we are part of a broader calling, a bigger mission, and let us respond to that. In thy son's name, amen. So I talked earlier, you dance with Ubrungi. I mean, this is what I do. My master's is in administrative leadership. That's where I've spent most of my career. But, but there was also this moment that occurred oh, about three or four years ago that really set the stage for where I think I'm at in my career. And so I'll just tell you, when I was, when I was serving in state government, you know, one of the things that the government leaders get to do is we take a whole lot of tours. People want to walk us through their buildings, and they want us to see what they're doing. They want to talk about their mission. They want to talk about why they should get funding, whatever the, whatever the case may be. And I'll never forget the moment. I was in this boys and girls club here in Oklahoma City, and we were doing a tour, and we were hearing about how they're helping all these children, young people, find connection. And as we're walking through there, th this kid comes and tugs on my coat jacket, just tugs and so I turn around and I look at him and the kid looks up at me and he says hey you you're the dude from up hold on there's far too much laughter in this room I haven't heard an amen which makes me feel a little bit better but I haven't worn bow ties much since then, I promise you. Um, you know, but that, it was kind of at that moment. It was kind of at that moment that I realized that I, I wanted to start thinking through how people have poured blessing into my life and begin to, to come around those things that I want to prepare for the people who would follow me, whether that's in government service, those lessons that I wanted my, my family to have, whatever it might be. And so if you will give me the honor, that's kind of what I'm going to work through today is some of those nuggets that I want to leave behind. But I would tell you, this is probably three or four years ago, and to this day on my birthday, I will get text messages from people with nothing more than that image right there, a picture of Carl Fredrickson. So I don't think I'm ever, ever going to escape that comparison. So... I've called this my 12 nuggets for success, right? I mean, I, I've done 12 of them. Now, what I want you to know is thank you to some really good advice that's out there. At one point, I had 29 slides for this lesson. And, and you can be very thankful that Lisa stepped in and said, that ain't happening, right? So, so we're not going to go through 29 slides. But, but what I will share with you is the things I'm going to talk about and, and those things that, that I think through about what how people have poured things into my lives and the advice I'd want to give to the seniors or, or any of us for that matter is it's always been very important for me to tie these back and to understand a biblical basis for the things that I use to guide professionally 
in relationally in how to engage with people and what that looks like. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through several of those along with the scripture that I've kind of used to tie my thoughts about why that might be consistent with how God would want us to, to manage ourselves. So we're going to walk through my 12 nuggets, not in depth on each of the 12. Uh, thank goodness for you, right? So these are the ones that didn't make the extended version cut, but I, I had to put them out there just just because I'm Carl Fredrickson, right? I don't know if I'm ever going to have a chance to do this again. So things, that, things I'd like you to remember, and I'll walk through these pretty quickly, is understand that it's important in life for us to limit collateral damage. We really learned about the concept of collateral damage with Norman Schwarzkopf in the early 90s conflict with Iraq. But General Schwarzkopf approved every single raid to make sure that civilians wouldn't be harmed. That was part of his approach and leadership. We need to understand that our actions could potentially have collateral damage. And to best love and to best serve, we need to take our efforts to limit that. Really big on this one, don't read your own press clippings. I'm sorry, Jane, you work in the PR world, but I will tell you, don't read your own stuff. Two reasons. Number one, number one, that leads to conceit. And number two, remember, you're never as good as everybody says you are, and you're never as bad as everybody says you are. When you think about how you engage on social media, and you go for likes, or you look at what people are saying about your comments, don't read them, because they don't reflect the reality of what your life, how you live out your life. I'm also reminded about Rick Warren in his 40 Days of Purpose, Purpose Driven Life. It's not about me. It's not about me. I would also encourage you, this was my dad's, and this was my dad's favorite understand, under, his favorite statement. I never really understood it. Nothing good happens after midnight. You know, I think what dad was telling me, dad was telling me to be very careful who you associate with because your associations have consequences. Your associations have an ability to impact how you are perceived and your effectiveness. This was Lisa's dad, Bill Vandiver. Don't shoot a cannon when a BB gun will do. I, I appreciate what Bill was telling me and what he was pouring into me. Be careful of the over-response. Simplistic, small engagement is far more important than going for the shock and awe moment. Make sure you don't shoot a cannon when your BB gun will do. And then it's better to be a kingmaker than to be a king. That one really, I absorbed that one. Um, I, I first came involved with a guy by the name of Steve Patterson. He was the chief of staff in a congressional office when I worked in D.C. And I really had a trouble understanding what he was telling me. It's better to be a kingmaker than to be a king. I thought everybody's ambition was to be in the lead chair, to be the one at the top of the list. And, and there's some truth of that. That's what it is. But what he was really telling me and what he was helping me understand is that it's far better to be in service to others and use your influence to empower their success, to focus on others to help them succeed. And you know, that's a pretty good standard for living a Christian life, isn't it? To helping others find their ultimate success. Okay, so that's my flyby. Kelly, if you need a preacher to come back sometime in the future, I'll come back and give them the, the spirit they, they deserve. All right, so for my seniors, this is probably the worst, last thing you want to hear today. Never graduate. That is not about 
academic accolades. That's really about the obligation that you have to learn passionately throughout your entire life. Live, read, and find mentors. We're told in Proverbs, for learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity, to teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young, let the wise, too, hear and gain in learning, and the discerning acquire skill. Never graduate. Continue to learn. I don't care how accomplished you are in your field, there is opportunity for you to achieve greater knowledge and greater capacity. It takes dedication, it takes effort, but the desire to continue to learn, to continue to engage, to continue to improve will carry you far in life. It, it is something to be deliberate about. And, and I loved, Wes, when you did the, the communion homily and you talked about how the church family wraps around people. It's that mentorship that we have in our community, that ability to have relation and continue to learn and pour into others and be poured into that will allow you to fulfill full level of success. I had to work in a couple of cartoons. Apologize for the business standpoint. This is one of my favorites, and I will tell you my current staff gets tired of this because whenever they, whenever they sit on an idea, I will just randomly drop this into our chat. They're, they're annoyed by it. Instead of risking anything new, let's play it safe by continuing our slow decline into obsolescence. I, I, I like the message of that, and there's a whole lot of ways to, to work that through. For my Thunder fans, in the audience, you'll remember when Oklahoma City acquired Paul George in a trade, they asked him, what about, why are you taking this risk on a player that you don't know if you can sign in free agency? And his response to that was, scared money don't make none. Scared money don't make none. And to be fair, this, this line was actually attributed to a song by a band called A Tribe Called Quest. So I've done my disclosures that that term came from. Scared money don't make none. You know, to really understand the importance of that, I think we need to move it beyond a statement about financial strategy because that's how that plays out. Scared money don't make none. But there is a lesson there in terms of our philanthropic giving, in terms of any investments that we might make, whatever the case may be. Scared money don't make none is a really important caveat. But I've, choose, I've chosen, I have chosen to take a little bit of liberty with that and I've reframed it as this scared Christians don't make none scared Christians don't make none you know the world in which we live seems to become more and more chaotic by the moment there's more dissension there's more division we walk into our workplace, we walk into our college, wherever we're walking, there's this fear of saying the wrong thing, of doing the wrong thing. What I would share with you, what I would share with you is this. The time has never been more perfect for Christians to be Christians throughout our community. That doesn't mean you have to stand on the corner quoting scripture. It doesn't mean that you have to call into question every single thing you see of controversy. 
but we do need to have confidence in our calling as a follower of Christ. And we need to have the confidence to live out the promise and what we are asked to do throughout the New Testament and to be confident in our Christianity and have the confidence to serve and to love and to honor wherever we might interact. I think this is a pivotal time. And young people, any of us, any of us here, I would challenge you that now is the time to have confidence in our role and to profess what it is that we corporately do on Sunday mornings, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We need to stay focused on our marketing priorities and not get distracted by every shiny new look squirrel. I'm going to tell you, this one speaks to me because I'm the world's worst. I am the world's worst about staying on topic and staying to fulfill. But this is one of those pieces of, of coaching that has come my way that keeps me focused on those values that I think are important and that God pours into my life. Seniors, play for March. Play chess, not checkers. Let me explain to those. I still remember it as if it was yesterday. It was 2004. It was February. Oklahoma State was playing basketball at the University of Missouri. It was a double overtime basketball game. Oklahoma State is down by two. Oklahoma State's down by two, double overtime. Oklahoma State has the basketball. Eddie Sutton's the coach. And so what you expect as a basketball fan is you expect what? You're going to run some sort of play and tie the game up real quickly. That's what you expect. But instead, what Oklahoma State did is they inbounded the basketball and put the ball in the hands of um, Lucas, John Lucas III, and he sat there at the intersection of half, half court and the, the, the Oklahoma State side of the court, and he dribbled the basketball down by two, 25 seconds. And, and the commentator said something that has struck with me and has really driven this message home for me. The commentator said, Coach Sutton does not care about this game. He knows what he has. He's preparing for March. That is playing chess and not checkers. He knew what he had, was preparing for March. So that I'm an equal opportunity guy. Yesterday, Coach Gasso for Oklahoma University women's softball did what? She did not pitch her best pitcher in the Big 12 championships. And after the game, she said, they were asked why. She said, Our team plays for national championships. This is just a step in the process. Playing chess and not checkers. In Philippians, we're told, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I do press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider that I have laid hold of it, but one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies ahead and straining forward to what lies ahead. Play chess and not checkers. I am so thankful for the way people have poured into my life. Not only those who have done so directly and intentionally, but those who have done so by opportun- by, just by sheer opportunity. I was working for a small nonprofit organization very early in my career, and I had my plan, and my plan was in front of me, and I knew what I wanted to do, and this is how we got there. I would do this for two years, do that for two years. It was all scripted. 
And somewhere along the way, I had an opportunity to have a grant, and I got to hire four people as part of my program. Debbie, Kathy, Jack, and Jimmy. What they all have in common? Each of them was disabled through a significant and persistent mental illness. I might have known Jack as the schizophrenic. Jack was an individual who was living passionately for the Lord and just happened to have a diagnosis of schizophrenia. We live in a culture, we live in a community, all four of them taught me this lesson. We live in this culture, in this community where we're divided, we're a Republican, we're an independent, we're a Democrat, we're a Christian, we're a Muslim, we're a Jew, we're Church of Christ, we're Baptist, we're Methodist, we're Presbyterian, we're a Cowboy fan, we're a Sooner fan, we're an Eagles fan, we're rural, urban, suburban, depressed, upbeat, belligerent, we're defined by labels. But what I will tell you is those labels are nothing but descriptors, they are not people. We have to become committed as people to looking beyond the label and understanding that underneath those descriptors are people who are seeking, who are wanting, who are needing love. So we know from John, for I, for I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, slaves are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who has sent them. Labels just describe, they do not define. And I will tell you, young people, if you can master that, if you can master that, you will have extraordinarily success in pouring into other people's lives. Talk softly to carry a big stick. I'm about to get into my closing statements. Don't worry. I, I will tell you, one, one, of, one of my life's most cherished events, in 1994, I had the opportunity to fly across the state of Oklahoma as part of a political campaign. And the person who I got to fly with is a gentleman by the name of John Glenn. Those of you that are older are going to recognize the name John Glenn. He's truly one of America's greatest heroes. Truly, extraordinary. World War II decorated fighter pilot with 57 combat missions, 67 combat missions in Korea, was an astronaut, was the first American to orbit the Earth in Friendship 7, became a United States Senator in 1974, returned to space in 1998 on a shuttle mission, married to a spouse for 73 years. Extraordinary hero. And here's what I remember. What I remember as we bounced across the state in this little airplane doing campaign stuff, I remember specifically that John Glenn was far more interested in my life and my young family than he ever was about anything he had ever done. He spent that entire conversation being intentional about our relationship. We are, he was quoted as saying, we are more fulfilled when we are involved in something bigger than ourselves. You know, candidly, being loud, boisterous, outwardly ambitious does not win the day. Demonstrating humanity, being kind, listening, and serving will win the day. Or as we were told, I tell you this, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. If you read the history of John Glenn, you will note that his entire career was based upon humility, quiet confidence, and service to others. 
The right answer is usually in the middle. Let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I'm forever thankful of a college professor by the name of Dr. Dan Badger, Oklahoma State Agricultural Economics. Had a impact on my life, which is very, very difficult to describe. He was my fraternity advisor, also in addition to being a, a professor. He was there when I went through my first leadership crisis, my first true leadership crisis, where decisions that I would make as the fraternity president would have significant bearing on the future of, of men who were in our fraternity. It was hard. And I remember him counseling me for hours. I would go over to his house with he, with he and his wife, Betty Jo, and they would talk through this with me and talk about when you're dealing with complex issues, the truth is usually found in the middle. That doesn't mean, he would say, that doesn't mean you don't have your absolutes. Everybody should have their absolutes. They should know what they believe in. But when you're dealing with people and you're dealing with conflict, your view may not be per perfect, nor is the others. The truth is usually found in the middle. We as a people are an opinionated bunch. Some would suggest that we're becoming even more divisive. Couple of thoughts. Listen and welcome constructive dissent. Constructive dissent is real. Opposing viewpoints help us become sharper. And understand, understand that there's usually a truth somewhere in the middle on complex issues. Again, we have our anchor points, and I'm going to talk about that in one second. But in Romans 14 is the doctrine on disputable matters that a lot of us has wrestled with in our church homes and our church communities. How that speaks to me today is within our communities of fellowship, within our communities of work or communities of engagements, there's a lot of things that they are just as right as I am. And I've got to understand to find success, to find camaraderie, to find fellowship. All of that requires me to move away from my view to seek the middle. And let me close with this. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalms, the role that the Lord plays in each of our lives. And another from Proverbs, a friend loves at all times. And Ken folks are born to share adversity. There is absolutely no word, no words to describe the value of this community of believers, Lisa and my kids, and the friends that I have in helping me anchor to those points that are the absolutes. You need absolutes. And I would tell you that you will find those absolutes in a fellowship of believers, and most importantly, you'll find it in God's word. As you go forward, be very intentional about anchoring yourself on those truths. They're absolutely essential to find your complete success. That's not just a term about finance. That's a term about how we live. It requires time, commitment, and patience. But they are absolute and you will find them in God's word seniors thank you for letting me share this with you today would you please join us as we stand and sing mm -hmm.